the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, let's start out with a poem. It was the night before Christmas. Oh, by the way, I'm borrowing this from my friends at Dorsey Wright. <laughs> They're great folks. It was the night before Christmas when all through the market, not a symbol was staring, not Tesla or Target. The point and figure charts were updated after close with great care in hopes that more point and figure buy signals would soon be there. Retail investors were all nestled snug in their beds with hopes that the market would not look so red. And the analysts on their laptops working where they sat, only just wishing the NASDAQ would end the year flat. Watching the equity market, I saw another rally. I sprang from my chair, seeking changes to dynamic asset level relative strength tally. Away to the screen, I flew like a flash, only to see domestic equities in third behind cash. While the interday upticks, they caused me to rue, the frequent trend changes felt just like deja vu. When what to my wondering eyes did appear, international equities ranked second after such a bad year. Although markets this year have caused quite a fuss, good old Tom Dorsey is here to remind us, tactically tilted the accounts are settled in as RS charts will find places that win. Now Exxon, now Abbey, now mid-cap value and blend. Off Meta and Amazon, we can't recommend. After this year, plenty of tax harvesting is in play. Now rally, now rally. May the market rally each day. From here, our little story is not worth predicting. Oh, how the economic data has been contracting. And while no one can predict what's next on the docket, it's ability to adapt that helps keep money in your pockets. From Bitcoin to equities to crude to tips, the one constant is change. So have a plan for the dips. With alert sets on the model and eyes on the bell, it's markets like these that we hope to help our best clientele. And with that, we close the book on what's not been such a good year. Moving on to the next one. Now the signs for cheer. From the team at RBC and Dorsey Wright, as 2023 comes into sight. Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Thought I'd start off with that one. They do a great job and, at Dursey Wright. Anyway, this is a live show today, uh, believe it or not. I have my grandkids over, so if I sound tired, I am. Uh, but let's start off talking about strategy. And if you've got a question, you can call in here. It's 216-901-0945. Lenny will take care. He's a great technician back there. Uh, so everybody keeps asking me what am I thinking. I think there's two things that really stick out. And, you know, Lori Calvacina was at, uh, was in Canada talking to people. And, uh, I thought it was interesting. You know, they, they all talked about, uh, Europe 
and uh, Europe is cheap relative to the U.S., et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and they view that the fundamentals are likely to be better in the U.S. despite rising uncertainty, but Europe's cheaper. I got, she got a lot of questions also on share buybacks, and she thinks it's possible that the buybacks are peaking. And, and a relative potential pillar for support for earnings per share in the year ahead is peaking, right? But after she did the numbers, she feel, she realized that she thinks the share count will be about the same. So 2023 shouldn't be that big a problem, all right? Now, early in the year, we talked about, actually, Tom Porcelli did, I should say. <laughs> He's our head economist, uh, chief economist, I guess. Uh, that the economic economy would be slowing, and we, we you know, we, we looked at a mid-cycle uh, downturn, uh, kind of like 1994, 1995. Uh, that period, of course, was the classic soft landing, but uh, a lot of people remember that it wasn't particularly soft. There was no recession, was called, but we lost jobs, manufacturing was in recession, housing was in recession. Consumer spending on goods even dipped briefly into negative territory. Uh, consumer spending in the aggregate stayed positive, thanks in part to uh, nearly always steady service sector. But as we look into 2023, we think there are a number of headwinds that conspire to push consumption in the aggregate into negative territory. Uh, and, and that's just as the year progresses, okay? We think that slowing will likely be enough for uh, the Ember people to call this a recession. Uh, so, so we're going to be a little bit different. We don't think it's going to, you know, as we see it now, Tom Portelli does not see a soft landing. So something to think about. Now, you know, I did notice there was a drop, you know, that we're thinking that you need to get down to 2% inflation. And that's the catalyst for macro and equities and it should drive significant drop in equity and bond volatility at that point. But every time we get to 19 on, on the volatility index, it rallies. Now, the volatility index is the fear index, okay? So when the fear index goes up, stocks go down. And we got right to 19 and it rallied to 24 in four days. And we took an 8% hit, and it was a pretty good one. But if you look at the PCE inflation number, um, I think in 2023, there's going to be more opportunities and less crisis, okay? So basically sort of the back, back part of the year. Remember, we've been saying for almost six months now that we thought 2023 would be kind of a sideways up movement. Uh, but if, if the PCE inflation is lower, we're going to have a less hawkish spread, and that, that'll be very, very, very important going forward as far as Tim's concerned, okay? So... Look, here, here's a couple of things I, I I would suggest, and and I was thinking about this. I have a lot of cash, and I uh, created some the hard way, but uh, um, you can't ignore what the Fed is saying now. I mean, they they're not backing off at all. They're, they've gone crazy the upside, and part of their problem is that the Democratic Party has. And this is all without basically, I mean, this time around, they had some uh, Republicans okay the spending bill, but they're spending money like, you know, it's free. <laughs> you know, it's your tax dollars. So they spent $6 trillion the first two years. They just spent another $1.7 So 
And, and by the way, there was a poll taken, and, and the people in the House and most of the people in the Senate don't think their spending has anything to do with inflation. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I, I, when I saw that, I, I was just taken aback. And uh, so, I mean, that's, that's what they're saying to the press. There's, well, and I, I don't agree with them, but, uh, you know, that's what the Fed has to deal with. Now, look, everybody said the Fed was wrong, and I thought about it a lot over the course of the last six, eight months. And, you know, uh, Mr. Powell was very quiet while he was trying to get reelected. He got reelected. He waited a couple months and then he hammered the market. And I think he's going to continue. And he's trying to, I think he's trying to slap Congress's hands and say, hey, guys, stop it. But we'll see. All right. But the Federal Reserve is, this last time they attempted to deliver another hawkish performance and it worked. I mean, we're down 8% since that meeting. So, uh, now, the question is, will people continue to believe what they say? Because the bond markets are not. The bond markets were early. And when they started, you know, nobody was raising interest rates. And they started to go, the yield started to go up. They were at almost a half a point before they raised interest rates. And now we're getting a huge inversion, you know. The the thirty year index is maybe a uh, thirty year yield index, I should say, is maybe you know like forty basis points. A basis point is one one hundredth of a percentage point, just so you know. Above the ten year, and the ten year, you know, is at three sixty five, and the the six month is at four and a quarter. So that's a big that's a big inversion, one of the biggest inversions I've ever seen. So, you know, I I. Want to change the subject a little bit because I I saw a couple things this week in our research which I thought was were fantastic. Number one is we got a new report. It's called Game Changers, and it's talking about disruptive forces in biotechnology. And you know the large biotechs have broken out, and that's healthcare. Okay, now I I've been talking about healthcare for six months on this show, and it finally started to do what I wanted it to do, but it didn't go down. That's the important part. It didn't go down, and that's. That's really important. Now, what uh, I mean, what Brian Abrams said, and Brian's uh, a very good analyst. Uh, he talked about he thinks that the money is going to go to biotechnology at the lower capitalization levels, meaning the smaller, you know, mid cap and small cap stocks. If that's the case, then this report should be an excellent report to look at uh, and some humble opinion. So if you'd like that, you go to WHK1420, you go to local podcast down to Smart Investor Show. There's all sorts of contact me and email me uh, type of things. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about some other things going on going forward. But, you know, uh, he also talked about uh, Matt Hedberg, who's our software analyst, talked about 10 key themes heading into 2023 about software. And his first one is, are the 2023 estimates low enough? I am making read the report to figure this out. And he, he said that business models matter. Uh, some people have bad business models and others have good ones. And he, they pick them pretty close. Customer success matters. You know, uh, there's a six-factor recession sensitivity that we talk about in these things. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you read that. But layoffs in tech. And weak job data posting, you know, what we've been following, uh, we, we watch 
if they're looking for people or not looking for people. And those are the software companies that you got to pay attention to, the ones that are looking for people right now. And our software companies finally finding religion on margins. That's another thing. And renewals will be easier than new customer acquisitions going over the next year. True platforms win. M&A is heating up. You know, by the way, we've recommended several stocks that have been taken over. All right. Uh, several of the stocks that have been taken over. So, you know, we had uh, Coupa Software, uh, uh, Ping Identity Systems, and there was oh, SailPoint Technology. We all had them on our buy list. And investing in talent versus cost cutting. You know, what's the right balance? And the other thing is, they continue the migration to the cloud, but there's also a focus now on cost optimization. So, if you like that report too, let us know. Uh, you know, we'll be glad to send that out to you. And I'm, I'm going to talk about dividend growth, you know, because I've been <laughs> beating that horse to it for 15 years, 20 years now. So, look, dividend growth stocks tend to track with value stocks. Historically, value has outperformed growth when long-term interest rates rise. I think we're in that period right now. High inflation, the Fed monetary policy tighten, has driven interest rates higher and helped boost value and dividend growth stocks relative to growth. So they're still at just an average relative, uh, we'll call it valuation. Right? They're not overvalued like they were during the Obama years when there was no growth, it was just dividend growth. And they're not undervalued like they were you know, in 2020. So that's something to take uh, uh, very or pay very close attention to, I think. And, you know, dividend growth, the, the S&P 500 dividend yield is tracking right along with corporate bond spreads. So that's another something, you know, that's that's important. So, look, I think there's going to be some strong long-term returns for dividend growth stocks. And high-quality business businesses consistently grow their dividends. You can't fake a dividend. Trust me. There's too many people doing the numbers. And, look, I think investors of all types value growth, uh, growing dividend income streams. If you're 40 and you start putting Money in our dividend growth portfolio, which, by the way, is flat for the year. Our prime income list is, is down a half a percent. You can live with that in a down year. Um, and you do dividend re- reinvestment. That's called compounding, folks. That's how you make a ton of money. So it's something to pay very close attention to, uh, in my humble opinion. Uh, you know, It's just a way to uh, get up and go. Now, one of the things, the yield curve... You know, look, as the Fed approaches its final rate hikes, the base case is another 25 basis points in both February and March. And that would give you a 475 to 505 yield curve on the short-term treasuries. Uh, yield curves hardly resemble anything like a yield curve. So how, how do you invest? We believe the yield curves will stay flat to inverted for the first half of 2023 and that the Treasury yields in the 5- to 30-year range will hold below 4%. So once the market starts expecting rate cuts from the Fed, perhaps late in 2020, curves should begin to re-steepen and short-term yields drop. Now, that's where the, that's where the Fed cuts, the short-term. So that's kind of how to work the the magic for, uh, for next year. And I'm going to say this because, hey, we're coming on to a new year. New Year's is, new year's is just... Seven, eight days away. 
What about a wealth management? What about a wealth plan? Okay. Uh, isn't it time to start thinking about that? You know, the end of the year. Now, let's do a questionnaire. You don't have to become a client. Uh, we've we've uh, told people that. We'd love to have you as a client, obviously. But we're actually showing people how to, to plan ahead without becoming a client. And one of the things I like best about this is once you've got a wealth plan in, you can go to playgrounds. You can see where this plan's going to fail or not fail. And I'll just say this. This year, my growth stocks are down. My dividend income, my dividend growth, and my prime income list stocks are flat. And my friends at Marshfield are up 6%. Not, not a bad year. Not a bad year. Uh, considering it, SP 500 is down 20%. But this simple questionnaire, and, and you have to sit down with your significant other and put this together because it's important that you agree on things. I, I sat down with my wife and it took longer than I expected because she didn't agree with me as much as I thought she was going to. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, one or the other thinks they're always right, but the other one, but when you sit down with them and they say, hey, no, that's not the way I feel, it's a really good planning tool, and it gets everything out, you know? Uh, so it's the end of the year, folks. How about starting 2023 off with a wealth plan? What a good idea. And let's take a break. And remember, the phone number here is 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. It's Christmas time and everything's alright. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. The holidays are here, and it's all going on at the Lobster Pot. Stop by Wednesday through Sunday from 4 o'clock to 9 o'clock p.m. and enjoy the best seafood on the east side of Cleveland, including lobster, crab, scallops, shrimp, and a host of other incredible seafood dishes. And don't forget that Wednesday and Thursday are $1 large shrimp cocktail and $2 raw oyster nights at the Lobster Pot. And remember, if you're having a party for your office employees, or if you're having a party at your home and you need large order takeout, call the Lobster Pot. And don't forget, they have gift cards for the perfect stocking stuffer. That's the Lobster Pot on the corner of 91 and Route 6 in Willoughby Hills. Call for reservations at 440-569-1634. That's 440-569-1634. And go to their website, lobsterpotrestaurant.com, for their menu and more. That's lobsterpotrestaurant.com. Dennis Prager sees the country heading downhill. If you said all blacks are anything... It would be called racist. All women, all gays, all persons of color. But if you say all whites, that's fine. Well, the rapid descent of the culture is is breathtaking. The Dennis Prager Show. 
Weekdays at 1, right before Sebastian Gorka at 3 on AM 1420. The Answer. And Odyssey. All right, you chipmunks. Ah, the chipmunks. (laughs) From long ago, I remember those guys. Okay, Theodore. You know, I, I read this today, and I just have to share it with you. The mind, once stretched by a new idea, never regains its original dimensions. That's uh, John Wendell Holmes, by the way. So um, I I had some interesting, uh, really interesting interviews this week. And, and these are all people, by the way, that don't have accounts with me. And they're all setting up wealth plans. They all took the wealth plan questionnaire home. And I suggested that I would love to meet, uh, well, one was the wife. <laughs> uh, and I suggested I would love to meet her husband. And then the and three of them were husbands who I suggest love to meet their wife. And then the final person was a single and uh, divorced. He was going through a kind of a tough time, but I, the judge is I'm allowed to call him, I guess uh, his, he said to use that term to what five things are you looking for next year? And um, first of all, the judge takes notes. And he listens to my uh, my call uh, or Saturday show, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and it, but he does it, you know. He goes to WHK and Smart Investor Show, and he, he does the podcast because he does it on Sunday morning at uh, an godly hour uh, while he drinks coffee. But that's what the judge does, and he's. A, I enjoyed the, our conversation. Uh, he he asked some really important questions, but here's uh, technically. I'm going to talk about this, okay? Uh, so technically, what I would look at is the S&P 500, the Fibonacci retracement scales. Number two, I'd look at the 10-year yield. Number three, I'd, I'd be watching the dollar versus gold and oil. I think that's going to be important. I also think you've got to watch the advanced decline line. The number of new lows picked up this last week, and that, that worries me a little bit. And then finally, the mega cap technology stocks are starting to falter. And if they don't pick up soon, I think we've got a, pro- a bigger problem on our hands. Uh, I think the market may go down, although other stocks may not. So, Judge, that's that's it. Uh, and uh, I think, you know, I've got some fundamental things. And I, I guess the fundamental thing is don't ignore what the Fed is saying. And so um, I thought they were going to pull back a little bit, and they didn't. So. I stayed in the cash that I was in, and I'm probably going to stay in the cash that I'm in for a while. So there we go. So the question at hand is whether you know the the fourth quarter rebound was merely a bear market bounce that is you know now failing within the S and P 500 for you know new lows, um, or <clears throat> are we ready to you know turn back up? Now, one of the things we always look at, uh, especially our friend Rob Schleimer, who's uh, RBC's TED technician is, you know, we've been looking at this 4,100 to 4,120 resistance area and it remains resistance. However, the momentum indicators are still oversold. So is this just a pullback? You know, to, you know, sometimes you got to take a couple steps back to get a running jump. Uh, when there's a barrier, you know, when you got to jump over a barrier, you got to take a couple steps back to get a running jump. So maybe that's it. I don't know yet. Um, like I said, I, I'm a little worried uh, because the Fed keeps talking tough, and 
I think Jay Powell does not want to go down as the Arthur Burns of the uh, the 2020s. Uh, and Arthur Burns really, uh, I mean, if it wasn't for Paul Volcker, none of us would probably be here today. But uh, so we did come right back to support, which I think is interesting. Um, and, you know, the Dow Jones broke out and it came right back to support again. So it it broke out, came right back to the downtrend line. And I guess we'll see uh, if it's going to go. But its relative performance to the S&P 500 is very positive. You know, so that's something uh, I would look at. You know, I'm trying to find positives here, folks, and I think there are some. And the industrial sector, now this is really interesting. The industrial sector broke its downtrend line and came right back to its downtrend or its uptrend line, which is now an uptrend. The downtrend line now becomes the uptrend line. And the momentum, the daily momentum, is fairly oversold, and the relative performance of the SP 500 has broken out to a new high. That's very positive. Now, a couple other things is the 10-year yield. You know, I noticed the, the, the weekly momentum bottomed and turned up. So I think we're going to get a little bit of pop in the 10-year yield and the dollar. All right. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see we'll see where we go from there. But, but the, the one thing that worries me a little bit, and that is the 52-week lows and highs. It's a noteworthy divergence, okay? We get, we, we've had... Uh, our new lows peaked the last week of September. That's when I said that, you know, that we'd have a rally and we did. And, uh, I thought the rally would be a little bit bigger than this, by the way, but it's not. But the number of new lows shrank drastically. Now they broke out this week. Okay. And it looked like to me, by I looked at the charts of the new lows, wasn't much volume in the new lows. So I, I don't know what that means yet, but I, I think it means that there was a lack of buyers, not and the number of new 52 weeks highs has pulled back, and that looked like it was breaking out. And the put to call ratio, you know, for I think the first time ever, I think the, the puts were right. You know, we said that you know the put to call ratio was 1.448, and that's one of the highest I've ever seen. And, and that's a put is a bet on the downside, and a call is a bet on the upside. People are naturally bullish. So usually that put the call ratio is somewhere in the 45 range, you know, maybe 35, 45 range. And when it gets over one, that's important. When it gets over one, 130, it's really important because I've only seen it like once or twice in my career there. I believe it was in uh, uh, 2020 and then in 29 or 2009. And then again in 1998 and again in 2002. So uh, now, what's really interesting, if, if I look at the long-term chart of the S&P high beta, that's the the more uh, high beta is dominated uh, by industrial stocks and, and cyclical stocks uh, versus the low volatility of staples, it's broken out of resistance and now it's pulled back. So if it holds, that could be a big positive in the long run, Okay. Now, I do think the 10-year yield is getting to a point where, you know, it was over, overdone. It broke its uptrend line. It's coming back to the, the long-term uptrend line that dates back to 2020. All right? So we'll see what happens. And uh, the, the relative strength, the RSI is bottoming. So it, I think there's a bounce coming. And I also think the same thing with the dollar. So they, they got hit hard, and we kind of suggested that they'd broken their uptrend lines and they'd get hit hard, and they did. Uh, now, 
you know, nothing lasts forever, so pay closer attention. Now, one of the things I did see this week was crude. If I looked at the PMO, uh, if you don't know what PMO is, uh, look that up. They, they went on a, a buy signal, okay, and uh, crude held support. So that, that could get really interesting, uh, and it may be a higher low. The other thing, I, I, I just talking about things generally, staples are in a broad consolidation. They're going, you know, sideways pattern, and financials are the same way. But the, I think the key one is the industrials have broken the downtrend line. Um, discretionary and tech are having some problems, so... And I think you got to be real careful with the with the mega cap technology stocks. And it's Tim Hayes' personal opinion. Uh, I'm not suggesting that everybody runs out and and uh, sells all their mega caps. Okay, <laughs> uh, that's not a good idea. But I was looking at a lot of these names, and uh, you know, uh, I, I had a lot of questions about Apple, and I keep saying that I think you know 129 is a really important stop for there. And you know, Tesla broke its 200 day moving average this week, so. Some of these names are getting beat up a little bit. I think you've got to be careful with some of them. But I am seeing the financials, the industrials, and the healthcare. More and more groups there breaking out, you know, uh, and, and holding. And the other thing I started to notice is some of the oils, you know, which have, oils have been beat up here, are starting to bottom uh, right at support. So those are good things. That's, that's, that's positive uh reinforcement the way I look at it. And I think it's a, it's important that we all understand that there are places to go. They're just not as strong as we'd like them to be. Okay. So that's the other thing you have to uh, take into account. Um, you know, it, it's difficult right now to, uh, it, it's, it's quite difficult to find home runs, but you can find singles and doubles. Okay. That's the important important part i think uh you, you've got to find singles and, and doubles and that's uh that's all i'll say for now uh but you know i, I think it's a, a very very important that you're in the right groups remember cash is still the number one asset class domestic equities are number three back in 20 uh, 2007 2008 remember domestic domestic equities were dead last right now currencies are and if you yeah, talk to anybody from Japan, they're having a heck of a time keeping their currency up. So uh, that's that's another for another day. But I think the bottom in this market will come with a currency event. That is Tim's humble opinion, and uh, I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Let's take a break. This is the Smart Investor Show. Remember, if you get a question, two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Stay tuned. So my boss came by and said, Jackson, you've been working hard all year. And he handed me an envelope. I was like, wow, thanks, sir. Then I heard him over at Thompson's Cubicle saying, Thompson, you've been working hard all year. Here's a holiday star tin of Peterson's Nuts. Well, I stood up and I was like, excuse me? You're giving him Peterson's Nuts? While all I get is this, this money? I was mad. No one ever forgets a gift of Peterson's Nuts. To place an order, visit petersonsnuts.com or call 1-888-817-NUTS. Rags, they're really important, and I don't mind saying so. 
or even getting called the ragged man by my boys. You see, from my earliest days apprenticing with Lee Newberg, I learned about the four things required of a true professional plumber. Answer the phone when the customer calls. Show up on time. Do what you say you're going to do. And clean up your mess. That's it. And cleaning up your mess is one of the most important parts. It's one reason why Lee and I loved working for the older Eastern European ladies in Cleveland. They always had plenty of well-laundered rags. And they let us use them. It just made the job cleaner and easier. Plus, they were great ladies. You know, we've always been blessed with the best customers in Cleveland. Nowadays, my sons often find me by the washing machine at the office cleaning and folding rags. That's how I got named the Rag Man. And I take it as a compliment because clean rags and plenty of them are an essential component to the Wallacadoodle experience. Consider it done at Wyattworks.com. License number 30185. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. All right, folks. Such a pain to me. Uh, I still love Christmas. Anyway, um, I just got a question uh, via email, and uh, a person asked about Tesla. I don't like to comment about individual stocks because I don't know the fundamentals. Um, I'll just say this. The point and figure chart doesn't look so hot, okay? Uh, But remember, that's one of the five things I talked about was the mega caps. You got to be careful with the mega caps. All right. You got, they, they, they're not leading right now. The advanced decline lines and other ones are important. Uh, the S and P 500 Fibonacci, if you don't know who Fibonacci was, he was a great Italian mathematician who studied markets. Uh, and there's Fibonacci numbers, there's Fibonacci retracements, all sorts of stuff. If you're doing charts, you know that the 10 year yield. And then also, the dollar versus golden oil, because I think that's going to be a very important one. So uh, anyway, um, the bullish percent, we always talk about that. And the bullish percent went to a column of O's last week. And remember, column of O's means that you got to have the defensive team on the field. And the fact that cash is the number one asset class and domestic equities are number three, you want to have a little bit more cash than you normally would. Okay. So, uh, we were in a column of X's from September to, well, the first week of October, first day of October, business day of October, onward and upwards till uh, last week and last uh, a week ago. So um, we're now in a column of O's. So you, you have the defensive team on the field. And we were down 11.8% last week. I mean, we had an 8% drop in the market in, in four days. So... That's not something that you take lightly. Um, but we are under 40. We're getting close to the 30, the promised land. Remember, the way that the bullish percent works is it was designed by a, a protege of Charles Dow. It goes from zero to 100. When you get over 70, we're overbought. What it tells me is that we got a, 70% of the stocks are on point and fi- figure uh, buy signals and on the New York Stock Exchange index which is like 5,000, 6,000 stocks, okay? So it's a lot of stocks. 
everybody's bullish. That's when you've got to be careful. And we get below 30% of those stocks that are, you know, on point and figure buy signals. That's when you've got to be greedy. Okay, so right now, we're at 38.9. All right, we were up a little bit on Friday. And the over-the-counter index, the small caps, which have been holding up pretty good, got whacked. They were down 5.3%, but they're at 30. So they're at the promised land already. And and the world index uh, was down 5 to 37. And um, so, look, we won't see a reversal in the New York Stock Exchange index till 46. That's, that's a ways away. And the over-the-counter index is 36. That's still a ways away. And uh, the world index is 44. So they're all in a column of O's right now. Okay, so that means you get the defensive team on the field. All right, now, the Browns last week, the defensive team was dynamite, I thought. So it's good to have a good defense. It's not a problem to have a good defense. Cash is number one asset class. You know, that's why a lot of my clients have cash. Uh, So what's interesting, though, is international equities, after a very bad year, moved into second place, and they did so by not going down. Isn't that interesting? When stocks don't go down for a while, that's basing, which usually means they're just about to go up. Okay, so we'll see. But uh, So in dynamic asset level investing, we have cash first, international equities second, domestic equities third, commodities fourth, bonds fifth, and currency sixth. So currencies, uh, if you're playing with those, I think you're playing with fire. I will say this, that the the S&P 500 broke its uptrend line and then rallied right above it. So kind of hard to say it's the end of the world or anything like that. But if we look at the different sectors, okay, what we're doing is we're buying sectors via relative strength, okay? So what relative strength is is how your stock is doing compared to something else, and usually that's the S&P 500. So energy is the number one. Now, if energy is, you know, I told you we had a PMO buy signal, and that's you know, when you have some crossovers on the charts, that's positive. So maybe energy comes back into play. It's funny, Ray, if the election, you know, now they got to fill the reserves. That's not playing politics. I don't know what is. But uh, anyway, they're going to fill the reserves now, and they're going to do it, they say, at a lower price. We'll see how long that lasts. Consumer non-cyclicals, that means staples, are number two. Basic materials, number three, financials, number four, and industrials, number five. Now, basic materials have not, they have not been showing up on my charts. But I, I went back and looked at a bunch of basic material companies, and I've been noticing that they didn't go down much. So they're not breaking out, but they're not going down. And that's how they're holding the ranking, which is interesting. Now, there's two, they, those five sectors are all. So it's energy, consumer staples, basic materials, financials, and industrials in that order. Now, there's two that are shaping up that are not favored, but they're not unfavored, and that's utilities and healthcare. And dead last is uh, communication services with one of the lowest numbers ever seen. And unfortunately, uh, most of that is metaverse, uh, so we'll say. But I would overweight consumer staples. Industrials, I would equal weight. and, uh, you know, consumer, I mean, communication services, you got to overweight so you start to see some stuff going on. And, and what's interesting is uh, um, I was looking at international equities, and our friends at Dorsey Wright, by the way, provide us with the bullish percent. 
So uh, I do use their system uh, along with my system. I intertwine them, and then and then I use RBC's information too. So what I try to do is take point and figure charts, my technical skills, and fundamentals from everybody, and then strategy from everybody, and mold it down to say, okay, this is what I should be buying. And one of the things I noticed with international equities, and I don't know why this is, but Egyptian equities have broken out. They broke their downtrend line, pulled back right to it, and then reversed back up. So we'll see if that continues. So for those of you guys like Egypt, that's uh, might be a pretty good place to play. Remember, do your own homework. Don't listen to a guy on the radio. Uh, but it was a quiet week in fixed income. Uh, the long-term treasury yields have been on an upswing since the Fed meeting. Um, you know, the 10-year yield returned to a buy signal at 3.7%. It had got down uh, down to 3.42, but it had quite a bit of support at 3.45. It just popped right back, back there. And the AGG, which is actual the actual bond, fell to a sell signal. So when yields go up, bonds go down. And that's what you got to know. You own bond funds. You've been getting killed. You just didn't know it. So uh, alternative... You know, I, I was looking at the commodity index, and crude oil was on a negative point and figure trend, but it's on a relative strength buy signal. And most of the commodity indexes were positive, and, and depending on which one you had, it could be on a buy or sell signal. And gold, you know, is positive trend, but it's on a sell signal. So it's, you're, you're having conflicting, uh, you know, thought processes or conflict, uh, conflicting information on your your chart so it's make it a little bit harder as uh, this whole year has been uh so we'll leave it at that um so uh, people were asking me uh you know well here's some of the conclusions that uh some of the, the technicians that i talked to like mark newton over at uh fundstrat and, and rob schleimer um both of them kind of think that we're we're right at a at a area of support, and and they think they think we they were thought we have a rally year end. Uh, we had a little bit of a rally yesterday, but you know uh, we'll see. And they look it looked like to them that the the treasury yields have bottomed, especially the ten year, and the dollar should be stabilizing a little bit after a sharp pullback from October. Remember, the dollar went down almost like fifteen percent during that period of time. And, and commodities have rallied, uh, and it was interesting because uh, precious metals are starting to look interesting. Now, if the dollar rallies, they'll pull back a little bit, but I think you know the dollar could be reaching a short-term peak anyway uh, sometime in January. That's what it looks like to Tim. You know, This is Tim Hayes' opinion. By the way, I, I think Mark Newton agreed with me, and Rob Schleimer's kind of in the same camp, but he's got a little bit different ways. Uh, and he, he also mentioned that crude is stabilized. Where at, at this level and could turn up, uh, you know, and, and grains have bounced a little bit. So, but we still, I, I think, um, you know, we had that rally off the 3,700 lows in September, but we're having a time getting through that 4,100 and 40, 4,120 area. And that'll probably be the case for a while, uh, unless this is a, you know, we're, we're going to turn right here and go back up. You know, sometimes. Like I said, you got to take a couple steps back to get a running jump when you have a hurdle in front of you. So, look, uh, the S and P right now is is nearly 300 points higher than it was on uh, you know at the bottom uh, on 10:13, which is the new day low. And weekly momentum, uh, 
is positive despite technology being under pressure. So the the breath expansion has held up with a little bit of selling pressure here. But like I said, I looked at a lot of the new lows and they popped a little bit, but the volume wasn't there. So it may have been an absence of buying versus actual heavy selling. So there's been some leadership. And like I said, it's been healthcare, industrials, energy, and materials, and staples. Uh, staples could be a real interesting area. I think healthcare, uh, if, if Brian Abrams is right and we go down to lower capitalization level, that could be where the money's going to flow for a while. So, and like I said, the, the, the treasury yields and the dollar turned down, they held support and, and might be turning back up. Okay. So, um, I, I guess you got to figure out is, is this a rally in a bear market or was, do we have a rally in a bear market and going to new lows? And that's, that's what, uh, everybody's worrying about. But, you know, after an election, a midterm election, markets are usually ending the, the end of a, a bear market. But, uh, you know, if you look at the cycle theory, the study of cycles, uh, I think we got a couple more bounces up and down. So I think the first half of 2023 is going to be a sawtooth pattern. So it's going to be up and down, but it's going to be trending up just barely. <laughs> Not to any great degree, but just trending up. And, and the problem is, is, you know, we, we won't know um, exactly when the Fed is going to cut all this, you know, uh, rate rising out and we don't know when that'll happen but, but it, it will happen so by the way small caps weakened pretty hard this week so just take it from there uh okay let's take a break uh and we'll be right back this is smart investor show the number here is 216-901-0945 we'll be right back with insiders Discount Drug Mart. And we want to thank all of you who shop at the store. Our family wants to wish you a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And a Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Have you heard of the PPO? Listen, weekdays at 9 a.m. as Bob France exposes the party of perpetual outrage. Bad decisions limit future options. Make bad enough decisions and you'll destroy your life. Listen to The Flot Line with your host Rick Hughes every Sunday morning at 6.30 here on AM 1420, The Answer. The Flot Line describes a mainline resistance in your soul to build on God's Word. Join us every Sunday for 30 minutes of inspiration, motivation, education, all without manipulation. That's The Flot Line with Rick Hughes, heard every Sunday at 6.30 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. WHKRadio.com, in, and Odyssey.com. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Good piano music there. 
Anyway, now we're going to talk about insiders. So what we've done is we've, we're doing strategy and economics, and then we're talking about different sectors of the market. Then we do some technical analysis. Then we talk about Dorsey Wright and our friends uh, provide us with a bullish percent and potent figure charts. And now we're going to talk about insiders. Insiders tend to be early. We're looking for people who are buying big, 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 big insider buys. Uh, and just and just so you know, insiders know their companies better than we do. They sit in the board meetings for the most part. So now I noticed some things this week, and, and this is an interesting one, and it's called Groupon. It was a new issue a while back, and it got hammered. And Jan Barda, who's a director, who's a very smart director, by the way, on December 20th, $49 million worth of stock. Wow. Okay. And uh, Perceptive um, Advisors, which is a very smart group, Astria Therapeutics, they paid $11 for it and bounced right after they bought it to 14 but they bought $9 million worth of stock. Also, another biotech was Turns Pharmaceuticals. Uh, and a director, Hongbo Lu, uh, bought $5.5 million worth. Now, it popped a little bit right after that. So, uh, you know, popped almost a dollar when they found out he bought it. And here's something interesting, because it, it happened last week. David Busters, you know, uh, gets, has been getting beat up. And he'll pass Capital Partners. Uh, several of their funds that bought, uh, you know, they bought uh, like $16.5, million, $17 million uh, on the 19th. And on the 21st, they bought another $10.5 million. Uh, and then, you know, back on the 20th, they bought another $8.3 8. So that's kind of interesting. And Brian Riley uh, on Riley Financial, this thing's got pummeled. And he's actually, he bought it at 40 and he bought $5 million worth. And I'm, he's the chairman and co-CEO, by the way. And it's now 33. So he got beat up a little bit, or 31.20, actually. And here, here's a um, one that I, you know, it's for just widows and orphans. Uh, but it's, I mean, it's not for widows and orphans. It's called uh, Agrify Corporation. It's 33 cents. I bought $4 million worth. Uh, a couple other names, uh, Design Therapeutics, which you know was a twenty-dollar stock, is now uh, eight, nine and a half, I guess. Uh, George Simeon, as uh, a director, bought uh, like eight million dollars worth of stock. Uh, and then uh, here's another one that's interesting. Uh, it's it's Williams Roland Acquisition Corp, which was around ten thirty, and uh, he this is where the guy bought it. It's now ten. Uh, he bought $3 million worth, then he bought another uh, $5 million worth over the last week or so. And this is a name that showed up a couple times on my charts, and uh, it's Cosmos Holdings as a drug manufacturer, and the chief executive officer bought uh, $3 million worth. And the Howard Hughes Corporation, uh, we had, uh, it, we'll call it a real estate play, uh, Pershing Square, which is smart money, bought $2.3 million worth. And then uh, Erasco, which is another biotech that's just got beaten up. It was $9. I think it's four ten. dollars We had the, a director buy $4.1 million worth, okay? Uh, and then one more time, uh, Anthony Noto bought some more Sophie. So we'll see what happens from there. A couple other names. Let's see. Uh, our friends at Creative Media Community Trust bought uh, – this is a REIT. And uh, the 
CM Capital REITs. They bought a uh, million dollars worth. Uh, that's got a pretty good yield on it, by the way, for those people out there that are looking for yield. Uh, I got a whole bunch of other stuff, uh, but I'll just, if I may, go back to uh, a few things that I'm seeing. Um, look, the breadth has contracted down to levels near October and June of uh, 2022 lows, um, which usually is supportive of a, a bounce. And uh, also, commodities have proven lackluster as a group since June. And um, we've had you know, pullbacks in crude, precious metal, grains. Um, and that was underperformance because the dollar was so strong because everybody's worried about them raising. You know, when you, when you raise rates, your currency goes up. And since our currency, you know, we had four 75 basis points uh, rate increases, you know, that's 3% in a very short period of time, plus another half. The dollar is going to rally. Now, the dollar broke down anticipating. So the dollar and the 10-year are now anticipating that the Fed is wrong <laughs> uh, or ne- will need to, uh, you know, get beat. We'll have to retreat, we'll call it that way. But I do like the fact that industrials have broken out versus the S&P 500. Uh, that's, you know, if I look at, I'm, I'm looking at the equal weighted industrial ETF, so I don't, I'm not, you know, basing on anything else. Um, now, energy has pulled back to uh, what I call consolidation levels. It's not the original uptrend line, but it's it's the near-term uptrend line uh, versus the S&P 500. And energy remains, I think, uh, positive despite, you know, the, the weakness we've seen over the last couple of months, whatever. Um, look, I, I will say this. I, I don't think crude oil's mine on bounce here can be called a bottom yet. All right. But the PMO turning up, crossing over, is a big positive. So we'll just leave it at that. And, uh, um, you know, I also think the financials, if I look at equal weight financials versus the S&P 500, they got a decent performance going too. So that those areas, you know, energy, uh, and, and then we have consumer staples, we have basic materials, then we have financials and industrials are where I'd concentrate Although healthcare it's made a pretty big move, and if Brian's right in the smaller cap healthcare stocks, Brian Abrams, our analyst, by the way, uh, they start to move. Uh, it could be significant. They could be uh, one of the top two or three spots. So I've been kind of anticipating because healthcare has been out to lunch for a long, long time. Now semiconductors broke the downtrend line and gave it all back on Micron's earnings, which I thought they were going to talk about positive things. They did not. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, let's put it this way. I think, uh, you know, with Apple near support and, and, uh, Tesla breaking down and the car companies breaking down big, even though they're getting the microchips now, uh, you've got to, you know, step back a little bit and say, okay, what am I, what am I thinking about? So look, we had a nice reversal Friday. We'll see if it continues through the week. Uh, it's that time of year where we should have the small caps rally. Um, now, we did do some da- a little bit of damage last week when, after the Fed, you know, in the week, week and a half period after the Fed's announcement. Uh, but we're right at support. So be careful. So but what are we doing now? The end of the year, folks, get organized. You know, we have family inventory workbooks, which puts all your assets in one spot so your kids don't have to, believe me, 
I've gone through some horror stories, unfortunately, with a couple clients who who had stuff everywhere. Uh, the family inventory workbook gets you organized. The wealth plan tells me, uh, are you going to make it or aren't you going to make it? You can play with it a little bit, okay? And uh, it's it's interesting how some of our uh, calls on this show have, you know, we said cash would outperform stocks for the last part of 2007 and most of 2008. And we stayed in cash for the most part, all right? So on our wealth plans, we had a high degree of success. And we could do that on your wealth plan. So it's something to do it. Remember, we'll do wealth plans for people who are not clients right now, hoping that you will become a client. And and the other thing I'd be looking at is dividend growth is very important when value is outperforming growth. Prime income list is great for you people out there that are retired who want, I mean, it's 4.2% yield right now. You know, that's higher than a bond. And just so you know, dividends have a lower tax rate than bond yields. Same with CDs. All right. So it's something to think about. And our friends at Marshfield uh, have been doing, I mean, they're up this year. How many people can you say are up? All right. So there we go. Uh, but I would definitely, you know, if you go to WHK1420 to their webpage, go to local podcast down to the Smart Investor Show. By the head, by the way, it has all my past shows so you can listen and say, hey, is the guy right or wrong? You know, did he really say this, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, but hit, contact me or email me. Now, don't forget our insight page. If it's on the bo- it's on the uh, border up at top. You hit that. There's a lot of good research in there, and it changes from week to week. Uh, also, under bulletin board, it has uh, Rob Schleimer's information under what they call trend and cycle. It's called roadmap, and then there's also a, a newsletter, weekly newsletter. So there you go. But if you hit the contact me, if you'd like to sit down and have an appointment. Uh, I got some time off the next week. Uh, be glad to sit down with you, have a cup of coffee, whatever. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, they heard him exclaim as the radio waves faded in the night. Happy Christmas to all, and to all, a good night. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.